Welcome to the Cognac Expert Podcast with Max and Taylor. Hello. Hello. So we reached out on the Cognac Lovers Facebook group for feedback on our first more conversational style podcast. So thank you to all of those who responded, gave us very valued and important feedback. And so now we've decided to shuffle some things around. We're going to do the tasting first. Apparently tasting is quite popular among our listeners. So we'll start with that. Let's do it. So you go. So I would like to taste first the Camus Borderie Special Dry. We okay, talked yeah. about it last time, so we were not quite sure. Is this a mixology cognac or not because of the price and so on? Maybe we quickly talk about the appearance and the packaging, which is quite cool. Yeah, they're definitely going for sort of a hip flask style. Mm. It, it appears, you have it in your hand, it appears to be out of metal, or is that... Oh, 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 shit, shit, shit. Oh my god, the oh, good no. Camus stuff is on the laptop. That is so stupid. So now my entire desk uh, smells like Camus Borderie Special Dry Small Batch. Damn. My God, my vibe is maybe we should just start start a new recording. This is sort of an ominous start. <laughs> <laughs> if Thomas this gets so this and he says, "Oh shit, I already, oh I already have to cut the first five minutes," so. that's fine. Let's just go. Fine. Okay, so we're tasting the Camus Special Dry Borderie Single Estate Cognac. Uh, we talked about this last time. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the appearance. You have the bottle in your hand. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's a PET flask hidden because it's surrounded by a copper metal structure. Pretty nice, pretty handy, yeah. Is it 50 or 70 centiliters? No, this is, must be 50, I think. Let me, let, let me get it out. Yeah, 50 centiliters. So this is a mixology product, I'm not quite sure. Yeah, from what I understand, the reading I've done about this particular mm. cognac, it does seem to be geared a little bit towards that mixology category. But yep. at the same time, I do think it would probably drink like a like a nice VSOP, I guess. Okay, shall we? Let's do it. Let's nose it. Smells young, I would say. Not that not not that young, I would say. Huh? It's not a For criticism or anything. Yeah, yeah, of course, but for me it nose is like a lot of other VSOPs out there. For uh -huh. for my nose, which okay. is which is good. It's got some fruits for my nose. Struggling a little bit to pin down what those fruits might be. For me, I do I get like a bright citrus note, whether that's lemon or orange or grapefruit i'm not sure but it's something bright and citrusy i get a little bit of pear but not a fresh pear maybe like a like like a stewed pear or you're cooking pears down it's pretty fresh smelling and it's fruity it's nice let's go let's taste it very very gourmand very easy to drink yeah i agree wow it's round it's rich yeah the finish is a little dry so maybe that's what they were going for with the name Camus uh, special dry that made me my, my entire desk Smells like fruit <laughs> at my laptop. I think it's not super dry. I mean, compared to, I don't know, like Iberius XO Petit Champagne, that's dry. Yeah, 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 for sure. Easy to drink, you know? Yeah, I, I wouldn't actually place this as a mixology cognac. This is sort of entry-level VSOP. It's totally yeah. fine to drink. Uh, absolutely. The thing that I'm just a little bit confused about is why does this product need to exist at Camus? The price point, 80 or so? 88. Camus has a lot of other borderie VSOPs, and I don't quite see how this one is unique or stands out or should be more deserving of one's attention compared to those other VSOPs. So I'm, I'm not at all saying it's a bad cognac. It's not. It's totally fine. It, I just question the reason for its existence. 
It's so interesting because they're so innovative, Camus. They've done a lot of interesting stuff in the past years with all the finishes, the Olney, the Dordogne, and so on and so on. I'm a little bit confused about this one. I do like the packaging. It looks like a cool product. I'm just a little bit confused why they didn't price this at like 40, 45 premium VSOP. And I'm sure you could achieve that kind of taste also. Yeah, and it's five, yeah. it's 50 centiliters too. <laughs> Single estate though. It's Bordery. It's a small batch, whatever small batch means in this case. Do you know? I don't, know. I, I just don't see why you would need that in a cocktail or in a long drink, you know? I think it would be crushed. It would be covered by whatever yeah. it's mixed with. doesn't yeah. have the strength, Great. yeah. yeah. But, cool. uh, but fine, I mean, it's, it's very fruity. It's got the nice dry finish, but yeah, I'm kind of indifferent, but yeah. happy to have tasted it. Cool. So next cognac we're tasting, oh, that's going to be very different, is the new Abecassis Grand Champagne XO, Our Dear Neighbors. And that's an entire new line of cognac. So they introduced the Grand Champagne line of Abecassis. And I must say, this decanter looks bold. Very bold. Uh, I love it. In terms of design, it really differs from the original Abecassis when it was founded. It's very different from the sort of slightly younger approach they used to have in terms of design and so on. Now, obviously, they're also going more into a premium direction with price and Grand Champagne and age and packaging and so on, which wasn't really the case before. You agree? I, I, I really do. I mean, you, you hit it right on the head there that the packaging looks more sophisticated and more premium. Let, let's see what the cognac's like, but I think... They're clearly going in that direction. They made a conscious effort for that. And uh, in terms of the outer appearance, it's a, it's a success. Okay, let's taste it. Let's do it. The new Abecassis Grand Champagne. It is um, over 200 euros, over $200. Ah, price, mm. pricey, pricey. I'm expecting something worlds different from the Camus. Here we go, Grand Champagne. Okay, let's, let's, let's taste this. Grand Champagne, we're in the Grand Champagne here. Nice, nice, yeah, orangey. I just, yeah. Yeah. Grand Champagne for me, maybe I have these preconceived notions of what a Grand Champagne cognac needs to be, but I always think like orange meated fruits, you know, peach, apricot, maybe a little mango, maybe some orange, and I just, I get it here. I hope I'm not just telling myself stuff, but I get that here. I get dark fruit, rancio, like sort of soil, earthy tones. Yeah, but it's not a rancio bomb. It's a very fine nose, I must say. Very elegant. Mm -hmm. Nice. Mm -hmm. Let's do it. Okay. It is a little bit more fresh than your usual heavy Grand Champagne, I would say. Agreed. There's a slight punch to it at the end, which I like. Agreed. It's not hardcore complex. That's a choice. What do you think? I do think the freshness that you said, I definitely mm -hmm. agree with you there. I think this is more of an elegant style of Grand Champagne Cognac, not a rich, heavier style of Grand Champagne Cognac. I do get the Rancio and I do get maturity, but it's measured. I wouldn't actually say that this is like a 30 or 40 year old Cognac, not at all, early 20s maybe. Because of that freshness, it doesn't have all the markers of a really, really, really mature Grand Champagne Cognac. Right. It is just an XO too, let's not forget. Uh, yeah, it's not an Ordage. They have other, you know, they've got an XXO, they've got older stuff too. So those are obviously going to give you more of the rich, mature notes. And it's balanced and very drinkable. It is. I quite like it. It's a Grand Champagne XO and it's very well done. It doesn't have any like singular characteristics or anything, but nor should it. It's just a really nice XO. Bravo. 
Great. Next one. Now, it goes without saying that as we sit here smelling and tasting, getting what we can out of these cognacs, we are tasting these, we are enjoying these, we are not just drinking them. So please drink responsibly when you do enjoy your cognacs. Please. So the next one is changing gears drastically. We're going with Valentersinier. This is one of their single cast cognacs. It's the lot 96, comes from the Fambois. This was released actually in 2021, 435 bottles, and it is bottled at 48.7 degrees alcohol. Completely different style. Here we go. Wow, I just put my nose into this and this is absolutely different to Boom. the previous one. A lot of fruit, a lot of fruit. Like, wow. Fruit salad for days. Wow, <laughs> what is this? I'm, I'm trying to pin it down. Is it apricot? I'm not so sure. I get apricot jam. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just I have that a lot in the morning. It's like fruit salad, fruit cup. It's crazy. Also, let's remember, this is from the Fambois, which has generally got a different fruit profile. And Oh, so different. And this is, this is a bottle that casts strength. So you're getting everything like in a, a greater degree of intensity. It's not quite like the Prulo we tasted last time, obviously, but I do have some candy store vibes. Exotic Exotic. fruit I'm getting here. Great, wow. There's uh, some like orangey, earthy men's perfume out there that I smell. Terre d'Hermes comes to mind. That's my perfume. And I smell that. I get this (laughs) like, well, yeah, maybe I'm dreaming. Let's taste it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I really like it. I really like it. I love the finish. It's honey. It's not overly sweet, which I like, but it's complex and it's sharp in a way that the fruit continues. The finish is strong, man. Yeah, the the textural elements are super on point here. It's fat, it's dense, it's oozing with those fruits. But then because of the high alcohol, it sort of counterbalances everything and and makes it feel so vibrant and fresh. But you would not tell that it's, I mean, rounded 49%. No way. And I think that's a sign of quality. How well this cognac wears its Mm. alcohol is outrageous. For listeners who are getting into cognac and maybe you've never had a single cask cognac before because maybe you are scared of the high alcohol. Yeah. This is not intimidating at all. It's so pleasant to drink. It's got so much fruit and texture that the high alcohol is completely counterbalanced. This is also beautiful Fambois. This is a demonstration of why the Fambois can produce really, really cool cognac. Yeah, gosh. Lovely. 435 bottles only, Fambois. I know that this Valentin Signé series partly is already sold out and they released three of this new series, Brut de Feu, which means cask strength. Yep, this one was from last year's release. So right. the, the three releases from 2021, they have three new ones that have come out. I think they're all from the Petit Champagne. Yeah. We'll have to get to those in a future cool. episode. But this is this is ripping. Yeah, wow. Love it. Fantastic stuff. <laughs> now we're gonna taste the Planet Overproof. Planet developed this cognac together with a bartender based in Bordeaux. His name is Adam Caron. Purpose of mixology. Okay. Only. But we're going to taste it neat, which is maybe a little bit unfair because you want to mix this, but still, I'm interested. And I've tasted their Oscar, but I have not yet tasted the Overproof 65. Neither have I. I've always wondered about this because the the, the 65% just caught me off guard. Let's go. Whoa. Okay. So the color is very light compared to the other cognacs we've just tasted. Nose. Whoa. I, oh, what? That doesn't... Well... 
it's not as aggressive as I've expected it. The nose. I was just gonna say that. Where where's the spirit nip? Yeah. It's not there. The other thing is with young cognac, you often get this glue. Uhu. Do you know uhu? I don't know uhu, but I, I know what you mean, like glue. Sometimes you get gluey notes in certain rums. Well, I, with very sort of young, fresh eau de vie, I always get this glue vibe. I've expected this for this here, but not at all. A little bit. But for what? But you you got to admit, for sixty five percent alcohol, the spirit nip is minimal, if anything. This is perfectly fine to smell. Absolutely. I thought maybe the fruit would be completely covered by the high alcohol, mm -hmm. but the fruit is still allowed to shine, and it's like yellowy, bright fruits, pineapple, maybe a little lemon. Yeah, it's kind of nice. We're probably doing this cognac a disservice by tasting it neat. This is a mixology cognac, but still, the nose has surprised me. Non-chill filtered. Okay, let's go. Let's let's taste this. Let's do it. Is this really 65%? I can feel the alcohol, but... Oh, that's an immense attack. But, but I'm, my face is not ripped off. It's still manageable. I know it's not meant to be sipped neat, but I was expecting a much harsher attack, and I didn't get it. Yeah, no, I think it's great. Obviously, the bartender knows what he's doing, because why take a super gourmand round cognac for cocktails and long drinks? You want to taste the cognac in there, right? Great to have this kind of 65 aggressive cognac so you actually can taste something. It's 65%, so it won't get crushed by whatever it's mixed with. But at the same time, it tastes like a fruity cognac. You can drink that neat. And I love the bottle, by the way. It's very unique. It's not a black bottle, but it's a dark green bottle. It just seems like a black bottle. Created for easy handling for bartenders. So they created a thousand bottles. It is obviously cask strength cognac. So we talked about it in our last episode. This is the Wagmut meets Cognac Expert, it's a rum. <laughs> yes, 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 we are sipping rum. Oh man, we already got like a comment. Please, stop. This is amazing stuff. I really challenge you to taste this against the cognac. Tell me you don't like this. This is really interesting. But Taylor, you haven't tasted it, so let's jump into it. I, I haven't, and so I do like rum, I do drink rum. This is a 12-year-old rum from Foursquare in Barbados. Correct, it was double finished. First finished three months in a cognac oak barrel, and then it was again finished in a Pinot de Charente oak barrel. Never been done before. Interesting. Now. Interesting. I haven't smelled it. I don't know. What I'm expecting is that the cognac finish will not have marked too much the rum. It's just a, an idea, but that the Pinot will. So the barrels, and that's also important to know, were in mid-age when we delivered them to Nicolas Kröger at Wagemut. So the first thing I'm looking at, because I have these two in front of me, the Dorley's 12, which is the, like the standard four-square 12-year-old rum, is there's a big color difference. It's much darker. They're not adding anything to their rums uh, in Barbados. And I think that's because Dorley's was aged entirely in Barbados, whereas the Wagemut was not. It spent some time aging in Europe. So there's a, there's a big color difference. I'm gonna smell the Dorleys first, just so like I use that as a benchmark. Really nice, really rummy. Okay, here we go. Wagamut to my nose. Whoa, okay, completely different. So I'm not getting that bois chaud. I'm not getting the vanilla or the caramelized bananas. I'm getting more little red berries. Yeah. I'm getting little red berries. Getting fruit. Wow, it smells younger, it smells fresher, it smells brighter. These little red dried berries in there. And that, I guess, is the Pinot. Really, really interesting. 
I'm really excited here. Well, it's at 43%, so it's a little bit on the strong side. Yeah. It's about to be bottled, by the way. Nice. It's a crazy experiment. We will certainly report about this whole project more in the future. Let me hear your thoughts now. Taste. All right, here we go. Wagamut. Got the red berries. What is the red berries? Hmm? Taylor's just making some, you can, you, obviously you can't see this now, but Taylor's making some crazy facial expressions. Excitement in his face. It's not as dry as the Dorley's 12. The red, the red berries are absolutely there. It's very round. I know. But still, I mean, it is lively. It's not too sweet. It's rum at the end of the day. Yeah, I would say the flavors are sweet, but the rum itself is not like sticky or sweet or anything. It's like sweet little red berries. I don't actually get a lot of the classic like Barbados rum notes. The vanilla, I don't get that too much. Toasted wood, I don't get. The caramelized banana thing, I don't get. This has really got its own identity. It's super cool. It's insanely easy to drink. And the little red berry thing is totally unexpected, for me at least, in my limited experience with rum. It's very unique and it's very good. I'm very surprised. Wow, this is great. I actually recommend to drink this rum in a wider glass. Mm. A tulip is fine, but I think it's better to take like a wine glass, mm. which I did when I visited Wagemut because it brings out the aromas. It's very nice. The Pinot finish did its job. One of the things that I find is frustrating with certain finishes is that the producer will finish in a certain type of cast, but then you don't actually feel it. And whiskey a lot, they'll say, oh, it's finished in bourbon, but you don't actually feel the bourbon very much. And so my question is like, well, then why even do the finish? You know uh, who does a great job with that, and which is also not cognac, is Coquerel. Yeah. Coquerel, yeah. the Calvados producer, great people. They do amazing finishes. Yeah. yeah, they do great finishes. And you can, you can feel the finish yeah. without losing sight that you're drinking a Calvados. And I think that's cool. What's the point of doing a finish if you don't taste anything? I think the moment you do some crazy finish, it always becomes a hybrid. If you do some some crazy finish, you're experimenting anyways. It should be something new. It should be something weird in a way. Yeah, and that's that's, you know? that's the case with this Wagamut. It is, it's unexpected. I'm, I'm quite surprised. It's very good. Yeah, but it's cool. It's totally different than, than the standard Foursquare 12-year-old rum like Dorley's, Dorley's 12. They're so different. It's going to be very interesting to see what our dear listeners, cognac clients will think about this. Of course. You know, the price is obviously a little bit lower than your usual comparable cognac, which is great. And I really wonder how it will be received. Very interested. Yeah, me too. I, I would encourage people, if you're really, really into your cognac, you should be drinking other spirits too. It gives you a different perspective. It gives you different smells, different flavors, different sensations. And so then when you come back and taste cognac again, you get something different from it. If you're just drinking cognac, I don't think you're getting the full experience. You've got to taste different stuff. Maybe we get a fine by the cognac police. Uh-oh. Anyways. Okay, cool. That's that. So if you listen to this podcast and you have not subscribed, please subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us. It supports us on our way to 1,000 listeners per episode. So you can subscribe on Spotify, on Apple Music, or any other podcast network. Or share this podcast with your friends. Thank you. Let's move now to news and new releases. The first one we have is a new cognac from the sellers at Gros Perrin. And this is the Grand Champagne number 72. It's 
50.2 ABV, it's a single cask cognac, which is often the case at Gros Perrin. Of course, the quality will be outstanding. And I think this is a cognac that will deserve people's attention. It's new, and it just so happens to be our cognac of the month for October. Nice. Uh, then we have some new releases from our dear friends and neighbors, Contefi. So we have the new three years old, of course, Petit Champagne. We have the five years old, the XXO. And of course, the A12 L'Essentiel, Choose Your Weapon. That's a lot of new releases. We're super happy. They get attention more and more now. Love Contifi, by the way. Great stuff. Hennessy's out with two new Paradis editions. Uh, the first one is called the Golden Edition. It can be found on Block Bar. And they have a Hennessy Paradis edition in collaboration with Zheng Enli, uh, a Chinese artist. So yeah, Hennessy. Then we have some new Pasquet products coming out, of course. Amy and Jean are very busy with releasing new stuff. We do have, first of all, a new and different Le Cognac de Claude L64. We've seen a Claude in the past. This one is a different one. The second one is André L68 to 72. And the third one is the Vieille Grande Champagne, 80s to 90s. Super exciting. Probably will be very good. The Vieille Grande Champagne is below 100, and Claude and André quite above 200. They're old. So, yeah. So excited about that one. We'll release in October and November. There is a new Sophia Max Selection that's seen the light of day. Can you please explain? We are finally launching Sophia Max Selection number three, and it is with the dear Bertrands. We love them. They're great. They do great cognac. They're great people. Sophie and Max Selection started with Jacques Petit. Later on, we continued with Elodie Bouillet and now Hypertrans. It's a very specific blend. I'm super happy about the entire project. As you can see, we took quite some time to release number three. To be honest, I would prefer not to talk too much about it today. There will be private Zoom video fireside chat with the Bertrands, with us, where the first 50 buyers of the bottles will be able to participate in. Great. Like an online gathering, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Bertrands are great. And I find they're really authentic, sincere people with interesting opinions, honest and fantastic cognac. The cognac is great. It's also something that we actually found together with them in their cellars. So this comes from their estate, an eau de vie created by the family. It's just an entire family project. You know, also the label was designed by Brian, my brother-in-law, is beautiful. We're just very proud to do this kind of project. You know, we've been doing this bottling for quite some time. What other news do we have? Some fresh news. This is news from about two, three days ago, and it concerns Martel. Okay, Martel is in a little bit of trouble. They got handed a 300,000 euro fine for deception or deceiving the consumer on the traceability of old eau de vie. This has been reported in various different news outlets in, in, in France. And basically what happened here, according to the article from Vitisphere, is what mm -hmm. we're looking Martel produced about 7,000 bottles of two different vintages, a 1978 vintage and a 1989 vintage. They earned roughly 900,000 euros from the sale of those two vintages. And the authorities, so this is not the BNIC, this is the fraud department in France, says that they have questions of the traceability of those vintages. This is, of course, unfortunate news for Martel, but this is also a really good example of how strict and how rigorous one needs to be when stating a millisime or an age statement on the bottle of cognac. 
to get into a little bit of the details because it is an interesting story. Basically, what happened is, according to this article, again, from Vitisphere, when the authorities looked at the documentation and the recording, like the Cahier de Chez, so the seller book, they noticed that the alcohol level was increasing over time for these vintages. And to them, that suggests that there was topping up occurring. Therefore, the vintage status and the traceability of those cognacs is diminished and can't be guaranteed. Can you explain to me how they calculated that? So they made a profit or revenue of 900,000 euros? The article says it brought them 900,000 euros from the sale of these two vintages. That means they earned 129 euros per bottle in right. profit. Well, yeah. What and I, then there was some note about marketing. Yeah, so Ma Martel says, well, no, wait a minute. Once you deduct marketing, what we had to spend in marketing, we only made 500,000 on it. But anyway, that was their case, their rebuttal. But the authorities did come down with this 300,000 euro fine. Again, there are multiple articles on this because it's very fresh news. I do believe that the authorities made an offer to make the fine only 200,000. Martel quickly declined that. Oh, then, wow. And yeah. then they got a 300,000 fine? Yep. Yep. I okay. get Allegedly. We only see what we read in the media. Yep. Yeah. The underlying logic is that anything you put on a label needs to be justified with concrete documentation. Mm. From the moment the eau de vie dripped off the still to the moment it's put in bottle and sold. So then to finish this, our news portion here, I think it would be interesting to discuss what's going on right now in the cognac region with our cognac producers. There's harvest taking place right now, still. It actually started super early again this year. So it started around the 5th of September because we had a very, very, very hot summer, a drought again. We could have used some more rain, obviously. So this year, the harvest started around the 5th of September. Last year, it started on the 27th of September. It's fluctuating quite a lot in the, in, the, in the past decade. The results a little bit less than last year. That's an estimate, obviously. We're heading towards vinification and then distillation. But it's been a rough year, for sure. The climate isn't getting any better. Yeah, yeah for listeners to know, there were early frosts. There was some horrific periods of hail, which devastated certain pockets of the region. Mm. The extreme heat and, and dryness. Yeah, so on the drought topic also, we did a blog post on heat and drought. Interviewed Jean Pasquet and Jacques Petit on that matter. So go read the blog post if you're interested in the effects of drought in general and lack of rain. And that's just the challenge is weather. The other big point is probably uh, the dry goods situation. Yeah, the dry goods situation that the producers have, have been fighting for the last year or two. Basically, obtaining bottles has been quite a challenge for the past two years. We have spoken to various producers that are not able to bottle some of their cognac because they simply don't have the bottles. Yeah. Uh, even us, firsthand, when, when, when we reach out to the bottle producers, ask for a pallet or a half pallet, they say, we have nothing available. We don't know when it will become available, but you still need to make your order now. And we're not quite sure when we'll deliver it to you. So it's a very, very difficult situation. I don't think it gets talked about in sort of the, the cognac or the spirits community. But yeah, where there's a major tension on supply of bottles, corks and capsules, they say, this is the price plus 20% as an electricity surcharge. Boom. <laughs> Done. Yeah, stuff's getting expensive. The recession... All information on the products we mentioned and blog posts, links, and so on, you find in the show notes. As always, you can use the voucher code 
podcast15 to get 15% off. All infos on that you also find in the show notes or on cognac-expert.com slash podcast. Our last segment is questions from the community. Thanks so much for asking us questions on the Facebook group Cognac Lovers. So one question is, how long can you enjoy a bottle of open cognac before it's not tasting like it should, Taylor? Okay, yeah. So first, if the... If the bottle's unopened, it can last an eternity. But the question is, how long can an open bottle last, basically? Mm. Uh, now, I don't think there's an exact answer to this, but my feeling and my uh, my perspective on this is it depends on the level of the cognac in the, in, in the bottle. Once the bottle gets down to like a third or a fourth in the bottle, that's when I think you should either drink up or move that small amount of remaining liquid into some smaller glass bottle. It's not that the spirit or the bottle of cognac that's one third full will go bad, but maybe the smells and the flavors will just get a little bit flat and they'll lose a little bit of, they'll lose something. I'm not really sure if the air in the bottle has an effect on the liquid chemically. Taste and um, smell it does though. Yeah. My perception as a taster I mean, in general, very much uh, compared to wine or other more instable alcohol, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about 40% plus alcohol. In general, I would say, don't worry that much. It's fine. And it goes without saying, uh, don't store your cognac on a windowsill in direct sun, because that can't have a positive impact on the cognac. So, Okay, got another question for you. So it comes from, from the Cognac Lovers Facebook group. The question is, what are the permitted additives in cognac and should they be on the label? Well, that's a good question. I think they should be on the label, yes. Basically, we have three different additives. One is boisé, the other one is sugar and caramel. Boisé, it's water where you boiled wood chips in to create like a very sort of thick liquid. And then you add that to your cognac. It was done a lot in the past. Today, it's not really à la mode. Some people <laughs> still do it. This crazy cognac, which is hardcore boisé. Sometimes they also add sugar, which brings us to the second point. So you can actually add quite some different styles of sugar. It says sucre mi-blanc, sucre blanc, sucre raffiné, sucre blanc raffiné. And so on, fructose, syrup de glucose. Sugar, let's just say. <laughs> yeah, all kinds of different sugar is allowed. I'm under the impression a lot of cognacs have like, let's say, one to two percent. Allowed is eight grams of sugar per liter. Yeah. Especially like standard range cognacs like VSOP, VS and so on, younger stuff and so on, also some XOs. And let me be clear about this. It's not necessarily a bad thing. Some cognac needs that. Some cognac is... It's absolutely reasonable to do that. Mm -hmm. Other cognac, not so much. Yeah. So especially when you want to reproduce a certain red line. Nevertheless, I think this should absolutely be stated on every label to just make it more transparent. Because cognac is already so complex and difficult. And who, who knows what, what the difference between Napoleon and XO is and Audage. And it's so complex. Uh, but to be clear to listeners, it doesn't have to be on the label. 
That's why you will not see sugar added anywhere on your labels of VSOP or exo cognac. Yeah, you can add that. Then the third point is basically caramel and caramel that is coloring. If I look at the official document, only the coloring of E150A, which is the common caramel color, is allowed. There's also a maximum. The Cahier de Charge says that you can have a 4% or 4 percentage points of obscuration. Yeah. And obscuration is calculated when the cognac is submitted to the lab for analysis. There's a taux d'alcool réel and a taux d'alcool brut. And the obscuration is just the difference of those two numbers. It is interesting that even some single cast cognacs that have seen zero additives whatsoever, there is still a tiny bit of obscuration. Um, mm -hmm. Nobody knows what it is. It's, it's called obscuration. But for more standard like VSOPs and XOs, there might be two percentage points of obscuration. And it's just probably because of sugar or, or the boise or, or the caramel. Going back to the sugar additive, this caramelized sugar produced with a sort of controlled heating of Sacha Rose. What is Sacha Rose again? I don't know. I, I, I just imagine a sweet sugary substance. I assume. Yeah. You know. you know, just one last comment, one a thought that came to mind is that the, the spirits community seems to knock on, on Boise and immediately points out, you know, Boise is like the, the horrific additive in cognac. And I mm. guess it's true. It's sort of shocking once you learn what Boise is. But as you mentioned, it's not the additive most commonly used today. The, yeah, the, yeah. the additive that's very commonly used today is, is sugar, is a little bit of, a little bit of sugar to round out the these younger cognacs and uh, yeah this oak dominance is no longer popular these days and uh, boise basically is just a cheap substitute to somehow simulate the aging process yeah. Yeah, we, we visited a handful of producers these past years not a single one of them has said they use boise but some do say they use Uh, you did, you did, but... Uh, yeah, I went to this uh, producer close to Blanzac. Amazing bottle right out of the 70s. Super, like, baby blue label design. Super old school bottle. I loved it. And then I drink this. I already smell it. And, 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 I, and the nose was already, like, so hardcore woody. And I was like, no, what did you do with your 40, 50-year-old cognac? And then, and then I taste this, and it was, like, hardcore, like, sugar, boise, Oh, so bad. And then he insisted that there's some clients that really love this. So sad. Also, the, the worst thing about this is that this particular producer, I mean, like all his old cognac is like that. Everything, you know? Mm. Like every single barrel is buzzy. Yeah. Everything. It's, it's a tragedy. It's a style that's not in fashion anymore. Even though you did have one, ex one, one experience where the producer said that, I still do think it's the exception, not the norm. But a lot of producers that I've visited, at least, they're up, up front and honest. They say, yes, we'll, we'll add some sugar when they do. That's it with questions. Yep. If you have a question, please feel free to go to the Facebook group, Cognac Lovers. The link is in the show notes. Come and join us. Thanks for listening. So that's it for this time. Uh, if you haven't already, subscribe to the Cognac Expert podcast. Tell us what you think. We'll be back for more conversational format podcasts like this one, interview styles as well. But again, thank you, and we will see you soon. Thanks. Bye. Au revoir.